This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Welcome to episode 158 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. It's the same as it was last week. I know. Oddly enough. I haven't changed a bit. <laughs> so when you're hearing this story, we will have been coming back from Atchison, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So we are doing something that we rarely have to do, but we do it when we're on vacation, is we're not totally recording a brand new show tonight, but we're going to give you one of our Patreon bonus episodes. And this one was from a little over a year ago. It was back in May of 2018. But it's a pretty cool story. But what this gives you an opportunity to do is get something that's still a story this week, so we didn't go dark. And at the same time, most of the Patreon supporters haven't heard it because you got to be a a $5 Mm -hmm. tier to have heard this one. So there won't be very many people that have heard that. But just because there has been some people heard it, we've got some extra stuff that we did put on the end that they haven't heard yet. Cool. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, this will give you an example. We do two bonus episodes a month, full ones. We do a bunch of little shorts, but uh, the full ones are full length, just like the regular show. And the second one we do in the month is on the 15th, and it's much like this one here. It's just almost exactly the same as a regular show. The one we do on the first of the month is a listener's stories. So we read listener stories, and we have listeners come on. So that's the, that's the big difference right there. But what I want you to do is go ahead and, and listen to this one. There won't be any kind of Patreon uh, or um, iTunes shout-outs this week because we'll be a week behind, so we'll catch those up on next week. So we're going to listen to this one. And then after this ends, there is an interview I did with Maria Miller, who's the uh, director of tourism for Atchison, Kansas. She's the one that set up our show, and she has a ton of stories to tell about Atchison as far as haunted Atchison. Yeah, let me just say this. (laughs) She scared Tracy to death about the Sally House. Yes. I was already scared, and now I'm really, really scared because, like, legitimately, she's been to this place a bunch of times and experienced a bunch of things. So if I come back and I'm not my happy, joyful self, or... If you don't come back at all? Or if I come back somewhat smarter, then you know I'm possessed. Either way, this show won't be as good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, say a little prayer that we don't get possessed up in there. So, yeah, you're going to love this interview with Maria because she uh, and she throws a couple of jabs at Justin Rimmel at the end. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it's a lot of lot of cool haunted places in Atchison. She tells us about a bunch of them. And mm-hmm. if you were at the show, you will have heard her do yeah. a lot of this stuff live. But by the time you hear this, it'll already be the next night from yeah. the live show. So True. So give it a listen. and We appreciate it, guys. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to May's Patreon bonus episode. Of course, I'm Jerry, and this is Tracy. Hey, guys. How are you? Hope your week's going great. 
This is going to be a fun episode, I think, because what I did was dig up three different poltergeist stories. And some of these, if you're really into the paranormal, they're fairly well known. But if you're just a casual listener, these may all three be brand new to you. So Good. Are we ready to just jump right into this? Yeah. Nothing like a good new poltergeist story. <laughs> and, well, I want to say, um, I know this is a Patreon episode, but that's why this is bringing up. We have a new Patreon today, and I'm not going to say her name just yet. But what I did want to say is... Um, she is another one of these listeners that sent us a message telling us how thankful she was that we mentioned the suicide prevention mm-hmm. numbers and that it urged her husband to seek some help. And she also said that our show has put a new spark into their marriage and given them something to talk about. And I just thought that was such a supreme compliment. And I just wanted to say, you know who you are. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Where's yeah. our spark? I don't have a spark. <laughs> it's 4th of July. It's coming up. We'll have sparklers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, guys. Maybe you can send us some stories and it'll add a spark to our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm very um, happy. If anything, we've done has helped you guys. I absolutely. Mean, absolutely. So. Just, you know, love one another and keep it fresh. I've said this a thousand times. It's really tough doing this show week after week and putting everything out on time with having, you know, both of us working full-time jobs. And my job is literally like two full-time jobs because it's it seriously 80 is. hours a week, six days a week. And it sucks. And when we get messages like that, then that's the real reason we do this. Absolutely. It's sure hell ain't for the money because we don't make any <laughs> I mean, we make, we make some money off of the show, but it's not, you know, yeah. anything extravagant. It's enough to. And then honestly, you know, that's a nice, that's very nice for that. And we appreciate everything that you guys do. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. But it's your reviews and, and things that you share with us. That's means more to us than anything. Yeah. I bet we've had at least six or seven people email us since we started giving out the suicide prevention mm-hmm. line saying that it somehow has caused them to uh, look into getting help mm-hmm. or tell us that how they had a rough time that we didn't know they were having and we helped yeah. them through it. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the reason we do it. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, if we were just doing it to do the podcast, we might not still be doing it because it's been a, it's been a haul over this last two years, but it makes it very hard to walk away from something like that when you're getting messages on a regular basis mm-hmm. saying that you actually touched somebody's life. Yeah. So virtual love and hugs to all of you guys. All right. Let's jump into these stories. The first one we're going to do is called the Thornton Heath poster, Poltergeist. That's what, how most people know it. Thornton Heath Poltergeist. Okay. Okay. Is that what you said? I probably did. It should be Thornton Heath Poltergeist. What'd I say? Postergeist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I thought I probably said it wrong. That was just your no, way of mocking me. No, I'd said it wrong. Like, <laughs> so, sorry. Re-re on my this part. This happened one August night in 1972. And Thornton Heath, for the record, is over in England. It's like a little town in England. Mm-hmm. So that's where the name came from. So one night... In 1972, in August, it was a hot, bomby night. I think there might have been a little bit of rain, mm-hmm. um, a little bit muggy, yeah. outside, sticky. I know. know. I don't like those nights. 
Anyway, so the radio comes on by itself and it starts blasting in a foreign language. Mm-hmm. This was not a station that the family had ever listened to before and also had no clue why the radio turned itself on out of the blue. In the upcoming months, lamps, Christmas tree ornaments, and curtains were moved by invisible hands, we'll say. So they could see all this stuff moving, but oh, gosh. couldn't see what was moving them. That was just the beginning of four years of torment from this poltergeist. Christmas is also the time when things became violent. You can't be doing that at Christmas. Well, apparently you can. Mm. The husband was struck in the in the head, forehead, by a flying figurine. <laughs> I don't know. It's not funny. It's not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a Christmas figurine or, yeah. or what it was, but he was hitting the head. He got hit so hard that he collapsed into a nearby chair. So the family rushed over to check on him and, and try to get him back to his feet. They said the Christmas tree rose up from the floor and started shaking violently. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> well, that's scary. Well, the new year brought lots of new paranormal activity. Out with the old, in with the new, I guess. I guess. The most common was the sound of footsteps walking around in the uh, upstairs bedrooms. They could hear it, like, literally every every night. Wow. A few weeks after the new year... Their son was awoken by what he described as a very tall, angry man. He said that this man had an evil look to him and was dressed in old-fashioned clothes. He said that the man hovered over top of him as he laid in his bed. My guess is he pooped and peed in the bed, too, because I know I probably would. Oh, my gosh, without a doubt. Shortly after that, visitors to the house started to have their own paranormal experiences. One night, the family was hosting a big dinner party for some close friends, and the door, the very front door, began to shake and knock violently. Well, it was the front door that, you know, led right into their living room, and then the living room door led to the dining room where they were all sitting. Uh So they could hear that. And as dinner guests got up to go see what was happening, the living room door swung open and every light in the house started just switching on and off. Dang and this on. is in front of a big group of people. This was the point when the family realized that they needed some kind of help that they mm. obviously couldn't figure this out on their yeah, own. Yeah, because he ain't no shy poltergeist, that's for sure. Now, the family contacted a member of the local church who sent out a priest to, to I guess, to help yeah. somehow bless, bless the, house the house or something. Um, the blessing that the priest did on the house only seemed to make matters worse. Well, I guess <laughs> so. <laughs> So the family then contacted a medium who was suggested by some local people. The medium came to the house, and obviously they had hopes of finding out what the cause of the haunting right. was. Mm-hmm. So the medium said that the entity was actually a dead farmer named Chatterton. Mm-hmm. He was mad because he considered the family to be trespassers. Oh. They did a little bit of research, and they found out that there was a farmer by the name of Chatterton who owned the home during the mid-1700s. Oh, wow. That far back. Now, for some reason, Chatterton's wife also began to start making appearances after the median's visit. Mm -hmm. She took issues with the mother of the household, and whenever the the mom of the household would walk up the stairs, she said she could feel someone following her. Mm -hmm. She would turn around and see a gray-haired woman standing right behind her. Now, as soon as this ghost was spotted, it would just completely disappear. Uh-huh. Things eventually got so bad that Chatterton would pop up on the family TV screen and temporarily disrupt anything they were watching. 
Like, really on the screen? Yeah. So that poltergeist crap, like in the movie. Yeah. This happened way before that. Oh, yeah. This guy was like way ahead of his time. But you'd think they would be, if they could be nice poltergeists and they could have Christmas dinner and all that kind of stuff <laughs> with the other family. Yeah, I guess they probably could. But, but, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So after four, four years of uh, this paranormal activity, the family finally threw in a towel. And they bought a new house. Mm-hmm. And once they left the house, all the activity ceased immediately. Wow. So there have been no other reports of poltergeist activity in that house. Has anybody else Any other tenants, yes. Oh, so people, well, then they just had a beef with them people then. Apparently. So that was the, uh, oh my gosh. the first story. You know, I wonder how, like, ghosts and poltergeists and all that stuff uh, decide who they're going to be mean to. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Because it seems like, <laughs> I know that's dumb, but it seems like there's, I mean, seriously. You said it, not me. Well, I know, but I'm saying that it seems like there's some that are nice and they're just playful and play jokes or whatever. And then the, those other ones are just downright rude. Well. but Okay, 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 okay. So why were they mean to that one family? But they didn't bother the other families. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like they singled them out to be mean to them or something, but everybody else was cool. Well, I could go with the old philosophy that poltergeists aren't actually ghosts, and poltergeists are usually manifested by children or usually prepubescent teens Mm. that have a lot going on emotionally, hormonally. And what have you. Okay. That's, well, I understand that. And, but this situation, it was a little little kid in the house, but it never said the age. Yeah. Because they were trying to protect identities and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I, I never even found the name of the people mm-hmm. that this happened to. Uh, so. Ninja. I don't know if that how old this kid was. But if this kid happened to be like 10, he, 11 years old or something. Yeah. Or he could have been like a little brat or something. It could have been something he manifested on there strictly yeah. like telekinesis, which oh. most people think is well, what paranormal okay. I, is. I understand that. So if that was the case, that would explain why it never happened to anybody else. Yeah. But it wouldn't explain why it stopped when they moved. Yeah. So I don't know. That's really interesting. So I wish we he- could. No, I don't wish. Never mind. Yeah. yeah keep wishing. Nope. Did I point? Did I tell you? I showed you today that uh, I made a comment. <laughs> I made a comment about New Age because we had somebody on Twitter that uh, said that we made the uh, comment about New Age uh-huh. religion being based in Satanism. Yes, and I pointed out some stuff to her on Twitter because she said that we were completely wrong, and I said it was a matter of opinion. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I went ahead and, and pointed out some articles, and it said that it's. Based uh, New Age religion is based in Luciferism, mm-hmm. if that's a word, Luciferism, mm-hmm. says the Church of Satan. <laughs> well, I got a message back from the actual Church of Satan that said, no, we don't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, that's a little creepy. It is. It's very strange to actually have the Church of Satan send you a tweet. And yeah. when I looked it up, it's the actual Church of Satan. Where is that, I wonder? It's in California. Oh, is it? Yeah. Remember the Hotel California? Oh, yeah. That, you know, and I know you said that. I heard that staggon song today, and <laughs> that's all I can ever think about now is what what we did when we did that story on that, because it's just amazing. But, you know, I mean, we really don't know about that stuff. We just go off what we read and, and see and things like that. Well, I found, like, 
10 articles right off the bat oh, and you sent did? it to her. Okay. Just to make sure she knew yeah. that, that that was her opinion, you know, because the, what the tweet was is she she was basically she basically said flat up she she loved the show but she wanted to scream when we just gave out misinformation and that uh new age has nothing to do with satanism. So I sent her links to about five different articles right yeah. off the bat that pointed out that it did have to do with Satanism. Oh. So my point is, I'm not saying I'm right well, yeah, and she's wrong or vice versa. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, at some things are a matter of opinion. Yes. You know, you can say God exists and Jesus existed, mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. Jews will tell you God existed, but Jesus did not exist. And, uh, you know, over in India, they got a completely different belief. And mm-hmm. over in, the, you know, other places in the yeah. Middle East, they've got a completely different. Of course. I mean, the bottom line is who's to say who's really right and who's and wrong? Then nobody's really it's right or wrong. Your belief yes. and your opinion. And that's wonderful that we can have those. Right. So that's the whole thing. Yeah. You know, my point was I'm not saying it's right or I'm not saying it's wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying the imp- there's plenty of information that says it is. So I don't think anybody can just say that's misinformation, that's wrong when it's, you know, pretty. Yeah. Pretty well, yeah. cut and dry that at least some people think that's not the case. So. Right, right. No. But All thank right. you for your um, message. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Whatever. Let's get into the second poltergeist. This mm-hmm. one is also over in the merry old England. They have a lot of poltergeist over there. Yeah. And this one actually a little bit. We, If you remember, we did the uh, Pontrefact. Uh, poltergeist, which was the Black Monk House. Oh, yes, the Black Monk House. And uh-huh. this incident actually took place really close to that. Oh. This must just be an area full of poltergeists. I kind of like to go visit just to see about it. Well, there's all kinds of places mm-hmm. in England. You can throw a rock in England and hit something that's yeah. haunted. So. so poltergeist activity can be crippling experience for families who experience it. So there's no doubt about that. Mark and Mary Ann... Uh, not their real names, of yeah. course, but Mark and Mary Ann moved into a home in South Shields, England in 2005 with their three-year-old son. Soon after they moved, they began to experience some of the most violent poltergeist activity ever recorded. Oh, my gosh. Most of it revolved around their three-year-old son's toys. Mm. So, you know, it's setting up for a good one. Oh, yeah. The family's home, coincidentally, is real close to the... Uh, the Pontrefact Poltergeist oh. Black Monk House, like we were just talking about. Uh-huh. South Shields um, is a relatively quiet kind of place. Uh-huh. So it was odd when this, this sprung happened. up. Yeah. Like the other story we just read, things really ramped up here at Christmas time. It started with the occasional door closing on its own, like you hear so many times. And then it went to chairs stacking themselves. And just for the record... In the movie Poltergeist, mm-hmm. when they walked out and walked back in the room and all the chairs were stacked on itself, that was based on this incident. No way. Yeah. Ooh. Now, I don't know if the chairs stacked themselves like that, but it was mm-hmm. still something that had happened here. A good time to mop the floor. Yeah. Well, then I flat up lied about that. I was just kidding. I want to see if you'd buy it. Are you kidding? Yeah, because this ha- I just said this happened in 2005. Oh. And that movie came out in the 90s, I believe. Oh. So. That's Why you got to make me look Because dumb. you're gullible. What? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so my guess is if this was a hoax, that's probably where they got it from was from mm-hmm. the movie because mm-hmm. it would make sense. So <laughs> I'm laughing ahead of time because I just read some. The they used to have like a chest of drawers, and of course, when I saw it, you know oh, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I thought, know what you thought. Chest of drawers, mm-hmm. and they had this chest of drawers, and it would be pushed by invisible hands across the floor. Mm-hmm. But what happened next, though, took the haunting to a whole new level. 
similar to our first story, Mary Ann was hit in the back of the head with one of her son's toys. Okay. I mean, what is with these poltergeists on toys? I don't know. But you hear that even when you look at the infield poltergeist that we did the story on. Mm -hmm. There were toys being thrown around the room and hitting people there. So the only people in the room when this happened was her and her husband. And he was standing right beside her. So there's no way he did it. The toys seemed to appear out of nowhere. Well, the couple jumped into their bed, scared to death, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Oh, yeah, I would be. They said these phantom hands started trying to pull the bed sheets off of them. Oh, my gosh. See, that that right there would freak me the crap out. Well, then. Oh, well, everything. It, it gets better, though. Then Mark felt this huge burn on his back, and all the activity, like, suddenly stopped. Okay, he was laying on his back? No, they were they were sitting this, up in the bed with the oh, blanket Oh, with the blanket over top of them. And... So then he felt he feels these this deep burn on his back, and then mm-hmm. everything stopped. Everything stopped tugging at the sheets. Everything just stopped. Yeah. When his wife checked his back, there were thirteen red squirt scratches <gasps> that were on his back. Dude, so they didn't really feel like scratches. It just felt like a big burn. Right. Oh wow. So that was the point when, I guess, the haunting turned violent, and for some, I guess, strange. Uh, reason it just centered around a child's toys i mean it just i don't know what to say other than the fact it's just weird that everything happened yeah. to that so one of the fright, most frightening incidents was the couple found a rocking horse that was hanging from the ceiling fan wow how does that happen i don't know that's a good ceiling fan <laughs> good and strong but you also don't know how big the rocking horse was or how well, well still Another incident had this child's little stuffed rabbit in a chair at the top of the stairs. Oh, there's one little other small part, too. It was holding a very sharp box cutter in the <gasps> rabbit's arms. Whoa. <laughs> Dang, man. Shortly after that, the family started getting these weird text messages. And it was saying stuff like, you're dead or go die. Text messages. I don't know what numbers they came from because I didn't see that anywhere. Their son had one of those like magnetic doodle boards, you mm-hmm. know, that are kind of like an etch a sketch, but, oh, but yeah. it's the ones that you have like the little magnet on. It looks the like a little it. honeycomb, yeah, yeah. all over it, mm-hmm. and it's got the magnets. Fun. The entity would would scribble stuff like "just go now," "die bitch," mm. or "R.I.P." And crap. And this was one. Go bitch now to your ma'am, M-A-M. That's what the stuff this thing was writing. First of all, it needs its invisible mouth washed out with soap. It does. Sometimes their son would just go missing, and they would find him in strange places of the house, like the closet or under the bed or in the cupboard. Mm. Mm-mm. No. So these paranormal investigators by the name of uh, Mike Hollowell and... Darren Ritson were invited to the home, and uh, obviously they were there to investigate the activity that the couple said was happening. Well, they experienced objects balancing on their own in impossible angles. Oh, that's cool. It is cool. They also saw uh, strange phrases that were sketched into toys or on paper. So the same thing that the family was seeing, they were seeing. The investigators even noticed a large black shadow manifest right in front of them. They said it would creep around the house at nighttime. Oh, my God. 
They described it as being midnight black, but it was three-dimensional figure that radiated sheer evil. I don't know how a shadow radiates sheer evil, but somehow that's what they said that it was. Unfortunately, they were unable to capture this figure on camera. Mm. Big shock there. They're never able to catch capture Mm-mm. these things. And this was two thousand and what was it two thousand and five? So they should have it had been yeah. cameras everywhere, yeah. phones with cameras and everything mm-hmm. at that point. He was slick. <laughs> just as quick as all this stuff started happening, it just stopped, and it continued to be quiet. Mark and Mary, uh, though they. So they pretty much had enough. They put the house up for sale. And uh, they said they don't want to be there if it does decide to come back. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get that. Marianne says that she will never be the same. She said she, if she hears a noise now that she can't explain or, or something ends up missing, it's always going to make her yeah. wonder. If it followed them or yeah, something? Yeah, or if it's that's what it is at all. Oh, wow. You know, so like, I could have, you know, you can imagine. If you got a situation like that, that the next time you hear a noise, you're autom- you're automatically going to probably go into panic mode. Yeah, I do that all the time here. Like almost every night, there's like this big uh, noise up here, like a creek. It's not a well, kind of like a creek, but more like a crack. I don't know if I can explain it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know but you've I think heard that's, that. I think that's from the wind. Because, like, you know the house is settling because we've got an actual crack right there yeah. in, the, in the in the drywall. Yeah. Which means that there's obviously some kind of movement. Mm-hmm. That's true, but it happens a lot, though. Yeah. Well, I does. mean, I've heard it before when I'm here by myself. I just don't cry like a little bitch. Oh, okay then. Well, then, since you said that, how long would you stay in a house if that activity was going on. Well, I, I mean, in, how long would you stay? I stayed in my mom and dad's house until I moved out. So. Okay, well, you couldn't help that, though. You had to. <laughs> I was. You were like, you know what I'm saying? You almost had to. Yeah, but I stayed there until, I don't think I moved out until I was like 21. And I mean, I had a job and everything. I probably yeah. could have moved out. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I could stay very long for sure. Well, she said, um, there's no shortage of people that claim that they made the whole thing up. But that's where the investigators come into the whole thing and said that there, the, the, some of the things that they saw, there was no way to fake. And they're honest. Yeah. So that is the story of the South Shields poltergeist. Man, that is creepy. Some of the best poltergeist stories come from England. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, you got the the Black Monk House. Mm-hmm. You've got the um, Enfield Poltergeist. You got there's two stories right there. Yeah, and you know, then you've got um, we did a story. What was the name of that one? We did a, a story on the poltergeist over there in the farmhouse. Yeah, that was over in England. And then you've got the other um, uh, the Borley Rectory. That's right there in England. I mean, there's so many. That's just right off the top of my head. Yeah, I wonder why. Well, England's old. I well, mean, you that's gotta, true. You got to realize the United States as a country is relatively young as far as we know. I mean, there was uh, Native Americans here, mm-hmm. but Christopher Columbus and, you know, 1492s when he supposedly hit there and then Jamestown and stuff when that mm-hmm. was happened. Civil War. I mean, the um, uh, Declaration of Independence all at 1776. So you're not really going to find much under, past the 1700s. If you look at Ireland, the story we did on last night's show, I mean, that bar was opened up in the early 1300s. I know. Isn't that crazy? So, I mean, just just right then was 500 years newer than what we've got going on here. 
And, you know, you start Amazing. looking at, you know, other places, you know. There's so many things that we have not even a clue. Well, remember, we did the story with Phil, which hasn't aired yet, but we're talking about Loch Ness. Yeah. And the the uh, first sighting of the Loch Ness monster was 565 AD. I mean, that was a, I mean, that's basically a thousand years before we even had settlers here. Yeah. In the United States. Right. There's, so there's why you've got a lot more. Mm-hmm. A lot more hauntings. So, anyways, let's go to the. Um, this is this may be the coolest story tonight. It's not as long as some of the others, but it's pretty fascinating, nonetheless. This is the Esther Cox poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Now, Esther Cox was a 19 year old girl who lived in a small cottage in Nova Scotia, Canada. So we move away from England on this one. Mm-hmm. Her family lived a pretty peaceful life until one night, the household was awakened by a scream. Now, I want to go back before we get in this, because this is obviously a touchy subject. Now, this story is really old. I didn't see a date on this, but I'm going to assume this was maybe 17, 1800s. Mm-hmm. Okay. The story goes that Esther Cox, um, the house they lived in was pretty big, had a bunch of spare rooms, so they're... She lived with her two sisters and her older sister's husband. Uh-huh. Okay. And I guess to make ends meet, they were using this kind of as a boarding house. And one of the boarders tried to rape Esther. Mm. And all of this, like I said, she was 19 years old at the time. All of this activity happened after that incident, which... Once again, if you talk you know, about what we were saying, a lot of poltergeist activity is, you know, now you've got a young lady. She's 19 years old. She just went through a very traumatic situation. Yeah. And now all these things start happening. And, you know, you start thinking about like the movie Carrie. Mm-hmm. You know, she'd get ticked off at her mom. And get, when she got mad, that's when stuff would happen. Yeah. And that's kind of the way a lot of people see this mm-hmm. poltergeist activity. Poor girl. So bad for her. Yeah. The Bell Witch mm-hmm. situation. A lot of people assume... That the daughter was, there was some bad stuff going on between her and her dad. And almost all the Bell Witch stuff was her manifesting that. So it just all depends on how you want to look at it. But I wanted to get that out as to the time frame of when this happens. So we go back to say that one night they were awakened by a scream. And the sister, uh, Olive, and her husband... They rush into Esther and her other sister, Jenny, who they shared a bed together. The girls swore that they felt something underneath the the blanket move, and they thought maybe it was a mouse. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have died. I can imagine. Oh. (laughs) So everybody kind of tore the room apart. They looked. They couldn't find anything. So it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, the next night, more screams come from the bedroom. The girls heard something under the bed. And they said there was like a fabric box, you know. So I guess back then they were just a box. They would keep fabric for sewing sure, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they could hear something moving around in it. So they pull the box out from underneath the bed. They move it to the middle of the room. And the box jumped up in the air and just landed on its side. <laughs> they pick it up. They set it up right again. And as soon as they do, it jumped up again. And landed again on its side. Was there a frog? I don't think. I don't think it was. Now, most of these things that had happened 
could be chalked up to as like the girl's imagination or whatever, because nobody had seen it yet mm-hmm. except for the the two girls, uh, Jenny and and uh, Esther themselves had seen it. But that changed by the third night, because that night Esther went to bed kind of early, saying that she felt feverish. Mm-hmm. Now Jenny joined her a short time later. They're up in bed. They're laying around. And after laying in bed for a few minutes, Esther jumped up into the center of the room and began tearing at her bedclothes. She was screaming, my God, what is happening to me? I'm dying. Jenny lit a lamp, which led me to believe when they said she lit a lamp that it Mm -hmm. was probably 1800s or so. And she noticed that her sister's skin was really red all over and swollen. Then the other sister, Olive, rushed into the room to help Jenny kind of get Esther back into bed. Esther started choking and was started fighting to breathe. So the entire family watched helplessly as Esther's body just basically, it just turned really red and swelled up. And it became hot to the touch. So if you touched oh, her. Oh, gosh. They said then that her eyes just bulged completely out of her head, and she was screaming uh, out of the pain she was in. And then from underneath the bed, there was this deafening bang. And they, said, they said it shook the entire room. Now, keep in mind, basically the whole family's in there seeing this. This was closely followed by three more loud bangs, and then Esther's swelling subsided, and she fell into a deep sleep. So it's like all the swelling went away that as they the watched. the craziest crap I've ever heard. The family was confused and didn't have a clue what to do, so they called a doctor. The doctor also heard loud noises when he got there from underneath the bed. He also watched Esther's pillow move without being touched and her clothes be thrown around the room as he's sitting there watching. The scariest aspect of this case were the letters that were actually etched above her bed that read, Esther Cox, you are mine to kill. Oh. And the doctor watched as these letters etched out. Oh, geez. Over top of the bed. So the doctor came back the next day. But he, he did? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he had no explanations whatsoever. And the bad thing is the poltergeist followed Esther wherever she went. Oh, man. She ended up moving in with some friends, and it followed her. So Esther was normal the next day? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. and I mean, like I said, this went on for a long time. Oh, bless her heart. But, you know, you know she moves out with some friends. Mm-hmm. She has the same problem. She moves back home. And then eventually she's like, you know, she's trying to spare her family. Yeah. So she decided to move across town. She had some friends that had a farm. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to move across town to work on that farm and live in the barn. Unfortunately... The farmhouse that she was with burned down shortly after she got there. No way. Oh, my gosh. Was the family in there? No. No. Well, if they did, they got out. Oh, gosh. So the farmer accused her of arson. Oh, she cannot catch a break. (laughs) I know it. She was convicted of arson and sentenced to serve four months. And she had spent like something like 11 or 12 months already in there. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. No, she was. That's right. She was. She was sentenced for four months, but she'd already spent almost thirty days in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they went ahead and just let her go. 
she was probably thinking, I want to stay in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And after she was released, like, everything stopped. What? Yep. She never had any more issues after she got out of jail. Like, ever? Yep. So, uh, that poltergeist was in jail with her, and he's like, hell no. Yeah, he's like, I ain't putting up with uh, this. no. He probably dropped the soap. Mm, that is crazy. He became a poker geist. <laughs> Oh, wow. Gosh, that poor soul. But you know, what's funny about that, and I've seen this in in I don't know how many horror movies, and I've always thought the same thing. How many times have you seen somebody walks in, there's a killer, they kill everybody, and then one person makes it out alive, Mm -hmm. and then the police show up, and you're like, you know they're getting blamed for that. Oh, of course. You know that, you know, they act like, or or they'll go in and kill a bunch of people that were supposedly demons or whatever the deal is. And then the police show up, and you're like, yeah, you're going to go to jail for murder. It's not going to be. I think it was that movie Get Out, I think, was like that. I think they ended up. There was two different endings mm-hmm. that I heard. Oh, They there? had the ending to where he had his buddy come help, and then they had another ending mm-hmm. that um, they didn't show that where he got arrested and blamed for all the murders, which to me would have been pretty realistic. Because if you just show up and kill a bunch of people and then you try to use, oh, they were demons or something. Yeah, nobody's going to believe that yeah, crap. That's not going to work. Like that movie, Frailty. Yeah. Such an awesome movie. Well, all I can say is she was a very strong person to go through all that that she did. And luckily, I mean, it ended and she didn't have to deal with that no more. But anybody else probably would have been like, you know, I'm just going to just move into the woods or never to be seen again or, you know, something else. How can you live? With, I mean, how could you live with that every day? Knowing mm-hmm. every day you wake up that you're going to have to face that crap again. And it's very a big person of her to move away from yeah, her family to try to spare the family. Well, that's true. But, you know, she moved in with friends and, you know, but I understand that completely. So, well, I don't know. She's stronger than I would be. <laughs> I think I would have just jumped off into the river or something. Just let it be done with. So I thought it would be cool. To end this one by asking you guys, because you'll know when you hear this, I think you should go on to the group. And if you're not a member of the group yet and you're listening to this, join our Hillbilly Horror Stories group on Facebook. Yeah. But I thought it would be really cool if you guys would just go on to the group and randomly post what your favorite horror movie is. And I... Let me rephrase that. Not what your favorite horror movie is, but if you could be anybody in a horror movie, and we're talking villains, bad guys, who would it be? And I think it'd be fun to see how many people listen to this and then go post on a group. So who would you be? If you could be anybody in a horror movie, which one would you be bad guy? I don't know. I'd be not, he's not in a horror movie, but I'd be the Incredible Hulk. Then that really does not pertain to this. I know. I don't know who I would be. <laughs> I would be um, like a person that changed into a, somebody and then changed back to a person. Like does a werewolf? Yeah, but I don't want to be all hairy and stuff. <laughs> but I could shoot beams or something out of my eyeballs. Yeah, but see, now you're just making stuff I up. I know. That's so what I say. I don't know. I mean, it's I a thousand different horror movies. You just pick one. I don't know. You wouldn't want to be Freddy or Michael Myers? No. Or? Hmm. 
Jason. No. Or Dracula. <gasps> or the fly. I would be Dracula. I'd bite you guys on the neck. I think that's hot. That is. I always <laughs> dreamed about that when I was like younger, not real young, but be like, oh man, I wish somebody would just come bite me on the neck. Because yeah, when you were younger, that's probably when Bella Lugosi had first came out with Dracula. <laughs> <That's> probably so. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I'd be, uh, I'd be a good and bad varmint. Ninja said, um, he would want to be the black dog from the Omen. Really? Yeah. Or Cujo. <gasps> oh. Could you see Ninja? It's Cujo. You know. He always tries to act like Cujo now. But you know what? Cujo had to be like a, a big dog like that, like a St. Bernard. Because if Cujo was a chihuahua yapping outside the door, I don't think it would have really had that kind um, of effect. It doesn't have the same effect. <laughs> Of course, Ninja thinks he's badass, and one of these big dogs that could lick him up and eat him in one gulp, he goes out there and barks his head off at him like he's really He runs up on him, too, though. He I'll does. He that. ain't scared. I think I, I would probably be Captain Spaulding. Why, because you always look like him already? Okay. Are you done? <laughs> For hims.com. Um <laughs> And they're not paying for that one, so. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but um, I think I think because he was so sarcastic, boy, that's you, and that's you to a T. Or Freddie, because Freddie was sarcastic. I, I could, could I could totally see that. I couldn't be like Jason or Michael Myers and just not say anything. Uh-huh. That was well, that's, not, that? that's not my mentality. Yeah, no, I'm, I agree with you on that. So anyway, now that you kind of know what we're looking at, just because nobody's going to know except for you guys, that I think there's probably only about. 80 of you guys that actually get this, uh, this feed for the, the story. So I think it'd be funny if you just randomly just pop up and say, if I could be <laughs> any villain in a horror movie, it would be this because. Yeah. And then we'll see how many other people just start following suit once oh, you yeah, guys start doing fun. it. So it'd be a little social experiment. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for everything you do. This was an exciting day because we hit the one and a half million download mark. Oh, that's so great. Thank you guys so much for that. Man, you're, oh, man. That's, you're absolutely that's so crazy. awesome. Yes, we, we love you guys so much. You know, we, it took us till January. So we went from August of 2016 to January 2018 to hit a million. And we've done... Half of that in like four months since then. Yeah, so that's great. I we we just literally can't believe that there's. I mean, I can't even count to a million. I can. No, you One. can't. No, I'm just kidding. No, no I can't, can't either. <laughs> I could, but you know, whatever. But anyways, we just want to say a big extra special thank you for you guys. Thank you guys and, so much. Hey, boys and girls, I got a special treat for you tonight. I have on the phone, and this is a long time coming. Director of Tourism from Atchison, Kansas, Maria Miller. She helped us get this whole Atchison thing set up. As you're hearing this, obviously, it will be the night after the live show and all the Sally House spend the night stuff and all that. Maria, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. That's not what you said 10 minutes ago. But either way, you guys... (laughs) You guys have got to, um, hopefully her personality shines through. Maria is one of the funniest people you'll ever meet in your life. And (laughs) Tracy and I got to spend a lot of time with her and Forrest down there at New Orleans trip we did last year. And 
she's a character. So that's one of the reasons I've been wanting to have her on for a long time. But we called her when we wanted to set the Sally House deal up, and she's the one that put together all these different uh, trolley tours and investigation and all that. So first and foremost, thank you for all of that, Maria. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Now, the reason that I wanted to have you on is you are an excellent storyteller. And you're actually, if anybody came to the show, they will have heard you actually doing a little bit of emceeing and telling some of these same stories. But when we were riding up on that big, long two-hour drive to the Myrtles Plantation, but you were telling us about a lot more haunted locations in Atchison that I was fascinated by, and I thought maybe I could get you to tell a couple of the of the places on the show tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So Atchison, for people that don't know, is built on the bluffs of the Missouri River. So most of the town is built entirely by Kansas limestone. So there's a lot of theories about why Atchison's so haunted, but the biggest one is how porous the limestone is and how spirits can move about freely throughout town. So we offer um, a trolley tour where we go by 20 to 30 different houses that are haunted in our town. So people have shared stories with us about their homes and experiences that they've had in their homes. And then what we've done is we've traced it to actual historical evidence of people that lived in the home or things that occurred in the house. So we're finding that what people are seeing and experiencing in their homes actually is residual effects of someone that lived there or an incident that happened at the houses. So a lot of the people have been really awesome and have opened their houses to allow people to come in and visit. So we do have several homes that are open for people to visit at different times during the year. Um, we do cemetery walking tours. We have a history mystery walking tours. We just have a wide range of events in town. So let me ask you this, because you gave us a book that yeah. the city actually puts out or the Department of Tourism. How did that book came about? Yeah, so that book came about from these stories, from these people sharing what experiences in their homes, us doing the research and actually creating this whole tour that people can take throughout town. And a lot of the spirits in town, some people are so excited to like talk about them and share their stories. So we have one house in town where a couple moved in and they wanted to do some remodeling of the house. And you hear about different spirits and things that are stirred up when construction happens in a lot of these older homes. And in their particular house, they started seeing a girl's face appear on the wall in the parlor room area, the living room area, and they have a piano, and the piano would start playing. So we did some research on the house. They did some research on the house. Come to discover that there was a little girl that lived in the house who was a skilled pianist and was an accomplished piano player, but she also died of rheumatic fever in the home, and her name was Anna. So we're finding that these these stories are coming about, and so we developed these tra- this trolley tour from people coming forward and us doing research on the home, pulling information from old newspaper articles. So we definitely have a lot of activity in our town. We have a new house that was recently purchased by um, a local medium. She does a lot of our um, Meals with Mediums events and gathering events. And so she has events now in her house. She does gatherings. We work with her. And there's a lot of activity that's been stirred up in her house. So if you go attend one of the gatherings, um, you get a little tour of her house. and You get to meet some of the spirits in there. So... How many people live in Atchison? Atchison's a little over 10,000. So probably, yeah, less than 11,000. And there's also a college there as well, which adds a little bit on top of that. 
Okay, cool. So it's not a, not a very big town at all, and yet there are 20 mm-hmm. to 30 haunted houses there. Yeah, if not more. We can't fit them all on our tour. And it's great. I mean, this one of the houses that's been on our tour for years was just sold about two months ago. And the gentleman came in and started asking me some questions. And he was like, hey, I saw the tour. was telling me that his wife is smelling something odd in the house and she can't place it. And I looked at him and I was like, do you think maybe it's close? And he goes, that's it. That's what she's smelling. And it ties into the story we actually tell about the house, about the spirits in there. And so just to see new people purchase homes and have these same incidents or these same stories really just validates what we think about the homes and what we know from from evidence. I got to say, I think you have one of the coolest jobs ever. So when you were, I was gonna say when you when you were offered this position, did you know going into it that it was gonna be primarily uh, promoting a haunted city as opposed to what most other directors of tourism would do, as opposed to like just having <laughs> a, a, one museum or or this or that? Yeah. Did you know that going into it? No, so we're super unique. Um, the city sees the value in paranormal tourism, so for us to be able to have tourism dollars and marketing dollars um, to promote that and to actually have a legit haunted town, you know, to be able to promote these homes that people continue to experience things in um, is pretty remarkable. I didn't. Um, It was originally going to be, I was going to help with a couple museum projects and do some grants and it kind of evolved into this. Like haunted was something that they did. But I think I took it to a different level. I came in and I just embraced it. I started going to Paracons and Hanacons and been working with you guys and different podcasts. Um, we just filmed another TV show that's going to air this fall. And so it's been, it's been really awesome for us. It's been a really good experience and definitely a lot more haunted than I thought it would be. <laughs> really cool. Now, what was your thoughts on the paranormal before taking this position, was it something you had already believed in, something you just was an extreme skeptic on, or was this something that fit right in with your beliefs? Yeah, I have a lot of people that have been like, you're kind of like a spider web. Like, you connect things that otherwise wouldn't be connected with within a paranormal field. Um, I lived in Galveston, Texas for a long time. I lived in the oldest commercial building there, and I had so many experiences in that building to the point where I moved out after less than a year because I thought I was going crazy. I was seeing things, I was experiencing things, I was hearing things, but come to find out other people in the building were, the owner would share um, stories with me as I was experiencing things and all aligned with the history of the building. And then ever since I was a kid, um, I used to think that I could, and everybody could, decide what they were going to dream about and go to sleep and dream about it. I have all these crazy dreams to the point where, you know, I've had people tell me they think I astro project, all kinds of stuff. So all this stuff has always kind of been around me, but I've never really explored it, I guess, until I took this job a little bit more. But I'm still very cautious about how open I am just because of some experiences I've had. And the Sally House is... I've seen that house turn so many skeptics into believers. Well, good. Let's talk about the Sally House, because obviously we're recording this literally a week before 
we spend the night there. And you're going to be spending the night. I know. <laughs> so it's going to be you, Justin Rimmel, myself, Tracy, and th- I think one or two other people, but it's still kind of uh, up in the air. Have you spent the okay. night there before? No. So normally I'll do investigations and I'll leave about 1 a.m., I think 2 a.m. Maybe the- I don't even know if I've made it all the way until 2 a.m., but I get a lot of teams that want me to. Or they feel like the dynamics in the house are a little bit different when I'm there. Like they see the differences, and I don't know if it's because the house is used to me. I, I you know, I probably spend more time there than anybody else. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't trace it. It's going to be a small number. It's going to be a small number of us too. It's not right. like it's a group of ten, fifteen, twenty. So I'm. And I've had people say, oh, the house wants you to spend the night. And I'm like, does it? I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> um, I, yeah. So it's going to be, that's okay. We'll just make, you know, all the ghosts go bother Justin. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they will. And Justin won't admit it. I'm, he's scared crapless. Trust me. He's probably going to be, he's probably going to be holding on to all of us all night long. Then I I said we should play the Pikmin interview from uh, Astonishing Legends while we're just sitting in there just to just set the mood and see if we can't uh, freak everybody out. I do not want to play that EVP again. That EVP is in, in coke. <laughs> you know what's oh funny? Oh my goodness! I remember when that happened, and you should have seen Scott's face. And then he like goes outside and he looks at me and he's like, "Don't ever go in that room <laughs> again." Oh, see, now see, I forgot about that. You were actually there during that time. I was. Yeah, I was there. Okay, how scared was Scott? He was he was pretty he was pretty terrified. Did Forrest was Forrest scared at all? Forrest just kind of just goes with the flow. I know when we were in Myrtles, yeah, Forrest, he was just filming stuff and didn't even think nothing of it. He just kind of went with the flow, and he was just kind of you know like okay, whatever, you know, kind of. And then he went and spent some time in the room by himself too. But I think I think for Scott, it was really personal. And one of the things I always tell people about that house. And what I've noticed when groups do come um, is it attaches to specific people. It never is a group as a whole. It always kind of finds something in someone. And I don't know if it's like a, a weakness it can feed off of, if it's someone that has this kind of macho attitude and it wants to put them in check. I don't know. I mean, I feel like people always ask me about the house. If it's evil. And I do not think the house itself is evil. I think there is a wide variety of spirits in there. I think there's some that go in and out. And I think everyone's experiences are different. Sometimes I do think there is something in that house that isn't always there that isn't pleasant, you know? So what about the the nursery? Obviously, that's the room that gets all the attention for the the evil spirit. Do you ever feel anything different in the nursery area than you do the rest of the house? So there are times where I come into the house and it seems very quiet everywhere. There are times where specific rooms, I'm like, not today, where you get that feeling, you know, like you're on a roller coaster and you're going down and your heart and your stomach drops. And I listen to that. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be in this room today. And sometimes I've had that in the whole house, too. And I know it's time to leave. The nursery, for me personally, I have the most experiences with. Um, You know, I've been in there with groups where toys have turned off and on on their own. Um, People have felt someone touching them. There's been something very cold behind me. 
Um, I feel like there's a child sometimes that kind of checks to make sure it's okay. Um, I get a lot with rim pods in there, but then I've also had some pretty, that's where, I mean, that's where Scott got the not so pleasant EVP. Right. So sometimes I feel like there's something in there that wants to talk, but it's not always allowed to, if that makes sense. And for me, the closet upstairs, I don't go in there. I don't go in the big closet. Hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. So you guys can sleep in there if you want. Is it big enough? Cause I will. It's yeah, it's big enough. So downstairs in the in the basement area, there I know mm-hmm. I've seen some shows where there's a, I guess a hole down there, uh, up in the right. wall area, and a lot of people seem to think that that might be a portal. What are your thoughts down in the basement area? Yeah, so the basement is limestone, so that goes back to that theory that spirits can move in and out. Um, the hole in the basement, a lot of people have different theories about it. Um, it was possible it could have been a storage for bootlegging for running alcohol because mm-hmm. it looks like they built some of the house into a cellar. Like they, they expanded it out. I don't like they put things in there at some point. Um, you'll see. Um, it's, it's interesting. I've never crawled in it. Some people have, um, so there's different theories about it, but I do feel like when people investigate, they never quite have the same experience down there. Um, meaning they get almost, different responses in an EVP, um, different experiences, different things they see, whereas there's other parts of the house where there's similarities to what people are experiencing. So it is possible thing, things can move or spirits can move in and out from that basement somehow. Hmm. So the Pikmins, do they still live in the area, do you know? They're still in the city, yes. Okay, okay. So did they ever come to town to do anything as far as any kind of lectures or anything? Um, sometimes they do different events on their own, like Hanukons or Paracons will have them. Okay, cool. So I'd be obviously just doing an in-service. If I didn't ask, this is obviously the home of Amelia Earhart. Yes. It's- One of the greatest mysteries of the 20th century. See? All these different... We always say haunted when we talk about Epson, or when we say history and mystery, because we tie her into the mystery component. And then we always do the spirits of Atchison, because we also have a distillery in town. So we've got <laughs> well, spirits, go. spirits, and the spirit of Amelia. <laughs> so is, has anybody reported to see her spirit in the, in the city, or is it just she never show up? No, no one's ever reported her spirit being seen, although... People will tell you, um, a lot of the older people in the community are people that have passed. Some of them, one in particular, used to tell people that she thinks she actually saw Amelia. So I think she has a theory that she lived out her days away from the limelight somewhere else, that she didn't actually disappear. So um, it's interesting. What do you think, without getting into too much detail, I mean, do you think... That I know there's a lot of theories that she crashed on an island and, hey, they found this and they found bones. They think her everything recently within the last five, six, seven years tends to keep coming yeah. up and leading to that. What do you think? Do you think she's lived out her life somewhere a la Elvis and Tupac? Or, <laughs> or do you think she's she actually just crashed somewhere and just wasn't discovered because it was so remote? I don't know. I know this is kind of like uh, 
a way around to answering your question, but I feel like the mystery is kind of more enduring than the truth, you know? And we've had everybody that has theories out on her have been into town. And, you know, you have everything from she was handed the wrong map, so she ran out of gas and the map was the wrong direction, so she crashed and, and she sunk. That, you know, the stars were read wrong for the celestial navigation. Um, crash and sink, obviously, is the one that's probably the easiest to believe. Or that her bones were found on an island or she was captured by the Japanese. So, um, you know, there's teams out trying to dive and find her plane now. So there's only 14 Lockheed Electra Elkinis ever made. And we have the last one in the world. We're building a museum around it right now, so we're pretty excited about it. And so if they do find one somewhere in the bottom of the ocean, it has to be hers because hers is the only one at account, unaccounted for. And actually, Robert Ballard, who discovered the Titanic, is out searching for her plane right now. Oh, that's incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So Atchison's got a lot of really interesting history. We also have the country's smallest unofficial presidential library. David Rice Atchison was president for 24 hours. No kidding. Yeah. Zachary Taylor would not swear in on a Sunday, so he swore in for 24 hours. So there's a big mystery around, well, he couldn't have sworn in because he wouldn't have been pro Tim of the Senate if there wasn't a president. So did we just not have a president for 24 hours? So it's kind of interesting, quirky. And, and there's a tie-in, obviously. I'm from Louisville, which is where Zachary Taylor was from. And, yeah, oh, that's right. And also plenty of mysteries surrounding him because his body's actually been exhumed to see if he was poisoned uh, in the last... 10 years or so, I would say. So there's been, wow. you know, he's been back in, back in the news, like I said, just over how his mysterious circumstances died while he was president. Yeah. And, you know, we had, a, you know, Lincoln did a whole tour through Kansas and we do a history mystery walking tour and we have a location um, where we have a plaque uh, where he spoke because he's tied to the supernatural as well, because it's said that he predicted his own death before it happened. Huh. I can't That's wait. Cool. Can't wait to get to Kansas. You know, people people don't realize how cool the place is. And I've been reading the book that you gave me and just looking at stuff. Yeah. And, and it's only like an hour from Kansas City. So, you know, when we first started doing this, people were like, oh, "Who's going to go Atchison? Who would that little be small town?" But they don't realize it's an hour from Kansas City, and Atchison's got so much cool stuff. It's not your typical small town. No, it's an hour from Kansas City. It's 35 minutes from the airport. Um, it's a great location. And like I said, it's just right on the bluffs of the Missouri River. So if you come in from the Missouri side, you take a bridge over the river, and all of a sudden there's a home. And it's just steeped in so much rich history. I mean, it was as far north you could go without going up to Iowa during the Overland Wagon Train. So they came over on the ferries. A lot of them became merchants and settled. And then the Atchison became the Santa Fe Railroad. At one point, it had more millionaires per capita than anywhere else in the United States with the railroad boom. So you'll see a lot of beautiful, majestic mansions when you come. Pretty awesome. Well, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about your city. Where could people go if they want to learn more about the city of Atchison? Yeah, they can go to visit Atchison. Dot com. Don't add an N in the middle. People always want to say Atchison. So it's just A-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. Yeah, we'll put a link to that on the website as well. Thanks, Maria, for awesome. coming on. Yeah, and we do. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Can't wait to see you. It's been you're you're one of the most fun people I've hung around with in forever. So we're looking oh, forward thanks. to it. And between you and I, Tracy and Justin, inside of a haunted demon infested house, what could go wrong? I feel like it could be a TV show. We need to set up some cameras. You know, we, like, you know, we our, really do need to film some of that. I didn't even think we do need to film some of that and do some Facebook lives or something from from that night. So yeah, All we'll right. get Justin crying. Yeah, 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 like a Blair Witch Project. <laughs> a little... It's like a single tear. She's like <laughs> shivering in the closet in the corner. <laughs> we'll have, have a little pub tent behind him. <laughs> Poor Justin. <laughs> well, I'm so cold. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so it took it took the whole interview, but finally got some of that personality out of you. <laughs> I was trying to be really professional. <laughs> All right, dear. Well, we will see you, uh, Tracy, and I'll see you next Thursday. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week, and I'm sure we'll have some awesome stories from Kansas to tell you. Yeah. One can only hope.